Welcome to Riff Ram Review, your TCU sports talk home right here on 88.7 KTCU. Here are your hosts, Seth Dowdle, Ian Nepetian, and Zion Trammell. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode six of Riff Ram Review right here on 88.7 KTCU, The Choice. I'm Zion Trammell here with Ian Nepetian and Seth Dowdle. As we are here on this World College Radio Day, earlier today we celebrated that with some of the KTCU DJs. It was a lot of fun. I don't know about you guys, but it was an absolute blast. Oh, yeah, it was great. It was great. Um, Honestly, I wasn't expecting to have as much fun as I did, um, but I was out there for a couple of hours, had fun shouting at people to come over and spin the wheel you know win some prizes but no it was it was great it was a great sunny day i know the weather was kind of showing up to be a little wet but fortunately the sun was out it's nice and warm today so no it was it was it was solid yeah i i had a lot of fun and we are coming up on fall break so lots to look forward to and we've got plenty to talk about in this episode talking about tcu athletics uh the college football weekend talking major league baseball as well with the postseason underway But let's get right into it. We're going to be talking a a little bit about TCU volleyball and TCU soccer. We haven't talked about them much since the first episode, so, you know, we kind of want to touch on it a little bit. We'll start with the women's volleyball team. They're currently sitting at 10 and 5, coming off of a sweep over uh, Texas Tech this last weekend. And now they have a two game series coming up here with Cincinnati. In a very stacked Big 12 conference, we I believe there's five or six teams that are currently in the top 25 when it comes to women's volleyball. You have BYU, Texas, Kansas, a couple other teams. I mean, it's it's a stacked Big 12. And for TCU, they're hanging in. Again, 10-5, and 3-1 and one in the conference. And it was nice to pick up a couple wins over, over Texas Tech, led by Melanie Parra who's just been on fire. Yeah, I, I, I was going to touch on her if you didn't there, but Melanie Parra has been fantastic for this team. Um, I mean, basically from the get-go, since she's come over from Texas, I mean, she was highly touted coming over from Texas, and she's provided a lot to a team that already had some established players like Audrey Knowles. Um, uh, Jalen Gibson this year has been really solid. Uh, but Melanie Parra, she's, she's set new records for herself on a personal basis in terms of career kills in the game, and she's broken her own record and, and set new ones for herself as well. But this Texas Tech series was really interesting. Um, I was working the game doing replay um, working EVS, and the first game TCU took care of business in three sets. They 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 swept them, three zip, and then on Friday it was a little different. So the first two sets were pretty straightforward, and then Texas Tech kind of found their 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 footing and holding the game, fought back to make it two to two, and then TCU fortunately came out on top. But I got to be honest, I mean I I don't watch volleyball much at all. That's that's just I've never watched volleyball, but now that I'm slowly getting more into it. It's it's kind of refreshing to look at a new sport, watch a new sport, and to see TCU doing doing solid to start the season is 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 definitely great. Hey guys, I'm here. <laughs> Hello, doing? Seth. I know we haven't heard from you yet. I know Melanie Parra is the goat. She's the best. She is. Uh, I mean, again, like you, Ian, haven't watched much of volleyball before, but man. You can tell there's something special with with how she plays. Uh, there's zero analytical talk here about volleyball, but all we're gonna all we have to say is that she does a good job of making sure that ball lands on the court inside the lines on their side, the opponent's side of the net, uh, rather than TCU's side. Uh, Two thirty-four kill games 
for for uh, Melanie Parra so far this season. Uh, just extraordinary uh, statistical, you know, performances, but also just you know, a great job by this entire team as a whole to to come out strong in conference play. Uh, Jason Williams has this team in a really really good spot. Yeah, it's it's they're looking pretty good, and yeah, Melanie Parra she transferred over this season. I believe she played at Texas uh, at one point. Yeah, and that's just been a huge boost because yeah, we sort of expected Audrey Nalls to, you know, really kind of step into that that big role there, and she just recorded her one thousandth career kill. So congratulations to her. But yeah, what what a story this has been with Melanie Parra, and yeah, we. None of us here claim to be experts, and that's okay. You don't, you know. But we think we. I've been watching, you know, from time to time, and I've I've kept I've definitely kept up. I write about TCU volleyball from time to time, and so I certainly am watching the games and able to keep up. And yeah, she also leads the Big Twelve in kills per set and points per set. So, as I mentioned, with how stacked the Big Twelve is, that's that's pretty impressive. And then, of course, Jalen Gibson. Uh, is, has been really good. She gets a lot of double-doubles, and yeah. the defense for TCU has been really good. I think they lead the Big 12 in blocks uh, per match, and th- the defense has really been kind of carrying this TCU, this TCU team overall. Yeah, and, and I mean, just kind of looking back at, you know, late August when the volleyball season started, right, TCU played at Minnesota, and then at and then against Wisconsin, both away, and they lost those two, and then they lost to Coastal Carolina. And at first, you know, I mean, to start the season, you never want to lose three straight, but playing two top ten teams back to back in Minnesota and Wisconsin's real difficult. Wasn't probably the start that Jason Williams wanted. He's a head coach, but then you see how they've responded. And since going zero and three, they've only lost two games. And and you know and and I mean. It's it's a good turnaround right now. Obviously, still a lot more to play this season, but for the team to be where they are now and really seeing all the players gelling well together, it's again great to see. And Melanie Parra again, she's she's just quite outstanding. I mean, coming off a year last year that was historic for TCU volleyball in terms of you know having your best Big Twelve finish ever. Uh, you're, they've done a great job of building onto that, and I think that's all that TCU volleyball was looking for was just hey building off the success of last year, continuing that success going into conference play, and so far they've done that. And they have uh, Cincinnati up next, and they'll look to continue to do that. Uh, I believe those are two uh, home games, I believe, correct? Yeah, they are two home games. They, With the wins over Texas Tech, they extended their unbeaten home winning streak to 12 matches dating back to last season. And, yes, on Friday and Saturday at 6 o'clock, they will take on Cincinnati. Uh, now I think we want to pivot a little bit to TCU soccer Ian, you are our uh, soccer expert, so uh, I'll pivot to you. What are your thoughts so far with how they're performing? Yeah, yeah. Right now, I mean, it was obviously a rough start to the season for anyone that's been following TCU soccer. They lost two of their first three games, and they went goalless in three straight games for the first time. I want to say since is either the, the 2015 or the 2016 season. So it wasn't an ideal start for this team, but they've definitely found the rhythm now. They, right now, they're on a six-game unbeaten run. They've won their last five games, and in Big 12 play, they've been outstanding. They've been undefeated so far. Um, they went over um, on September 14th to start Big 12 play, and that was over at BYU. BYU is the number one ranked team in the nation, and they got a 3-3 draw out of that. So that was a massive point for the team. They came back, and that's kind of when things turned around. It was that BYU game where 
it kind of ignited a fire in this team and saying, look, we haven't been at our best, but we just played the number one team in the country and got a positive result out of that. And Provo, Utah, as we all know, it's not an easy place to go play, whether it's baseball, um, football, and especially women's soccer. But they came back, and right now they're riding on a five-game winning streak. They beat Stephen F. Austin 3-1. Then they beat Cincinnati um, for their second Big 12 game. They beat them one zip. Uh, traveled up to Morgantown, West Virginia, and beat um, beat the uh, Mountaineers five to one. Yes. Yeah, baby. Yeah. It was uh, it, it was a big game for them. And then they came back home. They're right now in a three game homestand, but they've won these last two home matches. One of them against Kansas State, and then they just beat Oklahoma State this last weekend, which that was huge because Oklahoma State is one of the more prominent teams in the Big Twelve for women's soccer. They're challenging up at the top of the league. So. Yeah, I kind of wanted to ask about that West Virginia game because they scored five goals in that game, and that seems to be an outlier when you look at the rest of the schedule. They're usually ranging from one to two goals, and that's sort of been a problem, especially early on in the season. So what do you think changed in that game, and is there something that they could take from that moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I I don't know... I guess specifically what might have changed. I mean, West Virginia, it's not that they're not a strong team, but I think TCU went in there with a, with a lot of confidence. I think they really went in there with a lot of confidence. And one thing that I want to point out is Seven Castain, who's kind of you know stepping in to, to, to fill the shoes of Messiah Bright, who was drafted by the Orlando Pride this last summer, she's really finally settling into this number nine position, taking up that center field, sorry, not center field, center forward um, position on the field. I mean, she's still a young player. This is only her second season. But right now, what one thing that Seven Castain's doing really well is, is she's kind of playing more as a target man. She's not super quick on the break, but what she does is she drops deep, gets the gets on the ball, can lay it off to other players to make forward runs, and that's one thing that they've really um, they've really found some success in. Because with Messiah Bright leaving, their their attack has become really one dimensional. But I'm I'm really happy to see. What Seven Castain's doing and how the team is finally kind of getting over that hump and adjusting to what was, you know, losing Messiah Bright is definitely big. Yeah, that, that's a cool name though too. Like uh, 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 seven, seven Castain. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, that's... I mean Seven Castain, number seven. She's she scored six goals this season. She leads the team right now. Um, and then also there's a couple other players I definitely want to name. Um, Skylar Heinrich has been. Uh, a massive spark off the bench for the team she doesn't play a huge role in terms of starting she doesn't start many games but she's always a player that you can sub on and you know that you're going to get a fresh player someone that's going to run someone that's someone that's going to put in a good shift for you um and then also lauren kellett she's been wonderful this year um she just broke the uh, tcu program record maybe about a month ago for clean sheets which are shutouts and so i mean she's she's been a fantastic goalkeeper um, AJ Hennessy's doing really well right now. She's she's having a lot of success on the wing for TCU. Um, she she showed what she could do last year, um, and now she's really kind of you know cementing herself as one of the as one of the main players on the team. And then Gracie Bryan, she's she's as good as gold. This is her fifth year, if I'm not mistaken, with the team. She's been absolutely wonderful. Um, but one thing that TCU's really been doing lately is that they've they're they're controlling the game. They're not just getting the good results and squeezing out these wins. They're controlling the game from the start of the whistle to the end. Um, their midfield has been the glue to kind of keep it all together, right? It's it's the same way we talk about football and how the offense, defense, and special teams has to, you know, all of those facets have to be in sync. 
the midfield is that glue that keeps the, the, the defense and the attack together. There's not as many gaps as there were in the middle of the field as there were earlier this year, which is why they struggled early on, was because the team just didn't really gel well, and it took some time. But it's 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 great to see that the team is finally having success, and they've got a big game tomorrow against Kansas. That's tomorrow night here at uh, Garvey Rosenthal Soccer Stadium. That'll be a fun one before they head on to the road to play Texas Tech, and Texas Tech is a really, really good team. Will you, will you be live on the, at the scene, Ian? I will, yeah. I will be reporting there tomorrow night with uh, with Killer Frog. So, yeah, I'll be in the press box and then doing some post-game interviews. So. Hey, look It'll at be you good. Go. It'll be good. I think uh, that that seems to be a pretty pretty big, significant stretch coming up here for TCU. Yeah. And um, I was going to mention, yeah, with Lauren Kellett, the last – they, ha- I mean, she's only allowed, what, one goal in the last four Mm-hmm. Four four games. That's yep. pretty. That is pretty impressive. Yeah. She's gotten a lot of recognition this season, and it seems like she's doing a pretty good job. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, for Lauren Kellett to only you know concede one goal in her last four. I mean, it, it it also you know you have to also give credit to the back line. I mean, Grace Coppinger's been great. Olivia Hassler's been great. Maddie Mooney, Jenny Imathin, two players that um, are transfers now this season. They've gotten a lot more playing time on that back line. But that's one thing is that coming into this this season, TCU came in knowing that they've got a strong defensive back line and goalkeeping um, core. And that's the one thing that's been the constant this year. Even at the start of the year when we weren't scoring many goals, the defense was keeping us in the game and getting us the, the results that we ended up getting. But yeah, I mean, with Lauren Kellett, hats off to her. I mean, she is... she. She's not afraid to go to go, you know, head first diving straight for the ball. She does not shy away from hard hits. I mean, and 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 again, what's great is that she's got trust in her backline, and her backline has trust in her to to hold the fort down. So yeah, Seth and I are not really like the soccer experts, but I did play goalie back in the day. Okay, that it is a tough position to play. Like I feel like there's just so much pressure around that position, and I don't know. Seth, did you play soccer? I did play soccer. Uh, some called me uh, on the soccer field. They called me the Zach Grinky of the soccer field. Oh, okay. Oh so why, so <laughs> you're probably yeah. wondering, why did Seth just say, I'm the Zach Grinky of soccer? I was, under, I was always under control. I was always poised. So on Monday, uh, in our global sports media class, we watched a documentary about Pele, one of, if not the greatest soccer player of all time. And we watched a documentary on Netflix. It's a great documentary. We enjoyed it. But then our professor, uh, Professor Lamandola, play-by-play for TCU baseball and, and women's so- volleyball and yeah, soccer. And soccer. Yeah. Anyways, he after after the documentary, he asked what we thought about it, and this. <laughs> Person, Carson we, Arnold, Arnold okay. my guy. Yeah, he works here at KTC with us. What, what was his exact quote? So it was it was along the lines of, and, and Carson, no, we're we're only joking here. We're only joking. Yeah, he's okay with this. Yeah, he's, he's okay with this. We think we don't. We think we know. We know he's okay with this. He but would laugh. He basically said so. So it was mainly talking about how Pele, you know, was. He, he wasn't very vocal when it came to political stances. And that was a big thing in Brazil in the, you know, mid-60s and early 70s. And he said, you know, he kind of reminds me along the lines, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, really paraphrasing, but he said his demeanor reminded him a little bit of Zach Granke in the sense he's just a little nonchalant maybe. 
And I gotta tell you guys. <laughs> but when he said Pele was like the Zach Granke, the first image that came in mind was when Zach Granke was sitting off the mound as the gardeners were hosing down the, the gardeners, mound. The gardeners, the grounds crew. As the grounds crew, sorry, <laughs> grounds crew. And then I just envisioned Pele sitting right next to a mound. I was getting watered too. That's the first image that popped up. And you guys saw my face. I saw your guys' face. I was just like, I never want to hear Pele and Zach Granke in the same sentence ever again. That was such a bizarre comparison. Like, I, you know. Just, we love you, Carson. Yeah, we <laughs> love Carson. He's great. And he claimed that he doesn't know anything about soccer. He didn't know anything about Pele. And I don't know much either but i knew that he's one of the greatest i just can't say that zach cranky <laughs> was the first the, a pitcher for the kansas city royals was the first guy i i thought of hey was, cy young winner man he cy was young winner. Cy, yeah i don't um, know if Pelle even knows who zach cranky is he probably doesn't he definitely does and he shouldn't he he doesn't <laughs> know who zach cranky is i bet you if we went to brazil right now and we polled about 100 people and we asked them if they knew who zach cranky is probably about two people would know who he was yeah it like I, I just I'm not sure where that comparison came from, but yeah. we just felt that we had to share that. It was yeah. pretty funny. Again, Carson, no no harm intended. We don't you know we we don't stand for Carson Arnold slander. Yeah, he's but a great we had guy. to mention it. It was it was just it was too funny. Well, and, well, what I said was a joke. I did play I did play YMCA soccer for a little while and. Any further details on my soccer career, ask my parents, because I, I don't remember okay. any, one, any other details. One day, we were going to get those videos. I have a lot of videos from when I was younger playing soccer. Yeah. Like My mom got a lot of that on video. Yeah. I was I was a little stud out there. Were you? Yeah. I was, but it ended it ended swiftly. I Did pivoted it? to baseball. There so. you go. There you go. Um, yeah, it, it's funny. I mean, just, just briefly, right? I mean, we've all had that moment where we you know grew up playing multiple sports, and then you hit that point, and you're yeah. like... All right, you have to choose, yeah. right? And you have to go one way or another. And as a kid, sometimes it's a little hard to like make that decision. It but... was not hard. Well, well for, me. for you, for <laughs> you, it wasn't. And for you, Ian, it was soccer. That's yeah, it was chose. soccer for me. But I had grown up playing baseball. Um, you know, I mean, not at a high level, but it was something that you know at the time I wasn't really sure if I wanted to continue or not. But I mean, I let's just say when I chose to continue with soccer, I knew more about baseball at the time. Yeah, but I just liked soccer more. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. So that will wrap up our TCU volleyball and soccer talk. When we come back, we'll talk about TCU football and that game against West Virginia and looking ahead to Iowa State. You're listening to Riff Ram Review right here on KTCU The Choice. Why is Connor having trouble focusing in school? Having trouble finding Connor's middle school? Would you like directions? No. Why is Connor having trouble focusing in school? Finding lowest airfare to Istanbul. No, I'm, I'm tired of fighting with him over homework. Homewalk restaurant. Need a review? No, I need help. He's very smart, but his mind wanders. He's disorganized. I think I understand. Oh, God. Finding best potatoes for French fries. No! Russet. Fingerling. Yukon oh, Gold. Why don't you understand me? Sorry, I was trying to show how Connor feels every day. Frustrating, isn't it? Redirecting to understood.org. For the one in five kids with learning and attention issues, this is what life can feel like. Explore understood.org, a free online resource about learning and attention issues designed to help your child thrive in school and in life. Understood.org, because understanding is everything. Brought to you by understood.org and the Ad Council. 
Welcome back, everybody, to Riff Ram Review here live from the KTCU studios on 88.7 The Choice. My name is Ian Napetian, and I'm joined alongside Zion Trammell and Seth Dowdle on this fine Wednesday evening. We just got finished talking about some TCU volleyball and some TCU uh, women's soccer. It's great to kind of go back and touch on that. We haven't talked about that for a while, and there are a lot of um, a lot of advancements for both. Uh, but now kind of switching gears, staying on the TCU track, it's something that we don't want to talk about, but we have to. TCU's lost this last weekend, 24-21. to The Horned Frogs um, dropped their second game of the season, um, this time to the West Virginia Mountaineers. Just wasn't a good performance. It was a frustrating game all around. Um, kind of left it just, I mean, I don't even know how to explain it, but I, I just felt so deflated. It, it was, yeah, it's a bad loss, and it's it was kind of, it kind of felt like another nail in the coffin to what is just going to be a tough season and a season of transition. Yeah, it was certainly a frustrating game to watch. It was kind of a tale of two halves. The first half, TCU looked really good. They went up 21-14. to 14. You thought, okay, you know, they left some points up on the board, but, hey, we could probably get those points back. We'll be okay. And then they just completely fell flat, honestly, in the second half. And it was really hard. to. It was just tough to watch. And then on – the fact that the special teams unit struggled too. I mean, Griffin Kell had two kicks blocked, and it just, uh, it man, that hurts. Like it just was a just a gross like loss that is going to be hard to like flush away when you look at the end of the season. Um, uh, oh, we're doing this, Seth. Really. Absolutely. I kind of w- I love this song. Just, just I let it, it just let it play in the background. Just let it play. But y'all keep talking. Keep talking. Yeah. Um, it sucked. Yeah. I wish we were singing this to them when we were you know thinking we were gonna win. But yeah, I thought Chandler Morris probably didn't bring his best game. This is impossible. I can't do this, <laughs> Seth. Like this is like it's I try not though. to sing challenge and I'm struggling over here. Uh. Yeah, I, I thought Chandler Morris didn't have his best game overall. I think some of the throws he made, his footwork didn't look too great. And, yeah. you know, I, I hate to be too, too critical, you know, but I think it's fair. And I, I just would have liked to see a little bit of a better game from him. And it also sucks because the running game didn't really get established. And that was something I kind of saw coming into this game that, you know, TCU is going to str- struggle uh, picking up yards on the ground. And West Virginia did a good job of stopping that, and they themselves ran the ball a lot. C.J. Donaldson ran the ball 22 times. So, yeah, you know, again, this this game was a tale of two halves completely. I mean, when you look at the the box scores, right? Chandler Morris 23 for 41, 298 yards and two touchdowns. You just kind of say to yourself, okay, well, I mean, I don't see anything wrong with that. But in the third quarter, T.C. had two possessions of the ball. Field positioning was horrible, and TCU only gained a single yard in the third quarter. That's the story right there. <sighs> yeah. I mean, you, you even play half as competently as you did in the third quarter, and you probably win the game. Yep. Exactly. And, and you, you know, you kind of sit there and say, well, what changed? Did, did West Virginia really make adjustments? Or was it, man, we just came out flat and— there's a switch that turned off at halftime because, again, in the first half, things were going well. Yeah, you know, I mean, the, the defense made some good stops when we had to. The offense was smooth sailing, 
And then you come out for this third quarter, and you know, to me, and you know, this this might be the same for you guys, but the third quarter is, is like the most important quarter of the game to me. You need to come out of half, impose yourself on the other team, and if you're winning, continue to impose yourself and then control the game. Or if you're losing, you need to come back and, and kind of make a statement first drive. We didn't do that at all. Obviously, field positioning didn't help. We were backed up a lot. Jordy Sandy had to punt from from within his own 10, within his own 5, two times, if I'm not mistaken. And then again, miscues, right? Between, what, three missed field goals. Um, was it? Yeah, three missed field goals. And then you go back to the fourth down, the fourth and one or fourth and two that TCU went for it and say, all right, well, at the very least, that's, again, another field goal if we kick that. So that's mathematically 12 points off the board. And, you know, again, hindsight's twenty twenty, but it's just outside outside of the defense and, I mean, the offense in the first half, nothing went well for us. In the two games they've lost, it's the theme of the game has been just a lot of missed opportunities, specifically in 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 the red area, right? And, yep. And, the, against Colorado, it was a similar story: two picks in the end zone, and then here, you leave those three field goals on the board, as you just mentioned, and then also uh, at least a, a touchdown or two. And it, it's not how you want it. It's it's not how you want to go, uh, if, if it, especially in a game like that where uh, a lot of hype before the game, you know, a blackout, uh, and and the student section once again, you know, packed. Uh, and then you come out flat in that third quarter, and, and you send people to the exits. It's 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 a tough watch uh, for for a lot of people, and I know that they're going to want to turn this around really quick. But you know, got to go into Ames now, and you got to figure something out. Yeah, they they've definitely got a lot to figure out. And going back to that fourth and one, I really felt that was the turning point in the game because. I remember sitting there and you said it. I was like, "Why? Why are we doing this? Why are we going f- like this is a huge momentum swing because it's so hard to move the ball against this West Virginia defense. You move the ball pretty far. Yeah, it's fourth and one, but you're up 7 already. You're not chasing points. You're trying to extend the lead. I just I did not like it and it didn't work out and you know, of course if they pick it up, it's like, "Yeah, great, but I just did not feel good about it from the start. And it was just an unfortunate game, especially with all the injuries, too, to West Virginia. Uh, just quickly, I want to you know, talk about Aubrey Burks and Trey Lathon. Lathon, mm-hmm. I think that's how you say his last name. Both carted off the field, praying for a speedy recovery. That is heartbreaking to watch. And you never like to see that side of football and just hoping for the best for him. Yeah, Um Sorry, just going back. I mean, yeah, don't want to take anything away from the injuries, but going back to the game, I don't know the last time that I saw that TCU didn't score a single point and a half. I mean, the offense completely stalled. And again, I'm not. I can tell you when. Well, I'm. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to berate the fact that this was a bad game. I'm not. I'm not just trying to kick a dead horse here. But again, the 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 whole sense and the whole feeling after that game was just. I think it was more disbelief that we came out so flat, right? Mm-hmm. And then this was a game that I don't think anyone had as a loss. Yeah, I think everyone knew this was going to be – it was going to challenge us. West Virginia historically has a good defense. We went up to Morgantown last year, snuck out with the, with with a win, right? Not saying we're going to trample West Virginia this time around, but at home, blackout, 
hoping for a good, you know, a good prospect and a good performance. And you got that in the first 30 minutes of the game. And then, I mean, it's it's just, it was more disbelief and kind of like, okay, we lost West Virginia this way and we looked bad. What does this mean going forward, you know? And fortunately, just like anything, you got to turn around. The sun rises and the, the sun will set and the sun will rise again and, this time it'll be up in Ames, Iowa, and you got to do business there. I mean, this is a must-win game, especially because none of us had West Virginia as a as one of those losses this season. Uh, yeah, yeah, it, yeah you, the schedule doesn't get any easier. You play Iowa State, uh, TCU does, and then they play BYU, and then it's K-State, and then the gauntlet starts, right? Uh, real quickly, TCU has had their hands full with these good old Mountaineers ever since they joined the Big 12. TCU is 5-8 and eight all-time against West Virginia uh, and has lost the last three in Fort Worth. Uh, all of them fairly heartbreaking losses. Uh, coming into the game last year where they squeaked out a win, uh, TCU was on an L4 against West Virginia. Oh, so, wow. so the Mountaineers have, have uh, had TCU's number uh, ever since the two teams joined the Big 12 in the exact same year. Wow. Yeah, it's it's a struggle against West Virginia. Just can't figure it out. I remember two years ago when we were at home, it was just a pretty bad loss. Yeah, yeah, it was bad. And can just, you know, discipline flags, you know, like the false starts that are, that, that are just, you know, drive killers. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's something that, you know, not to say it's acceptable in the early part of the season, but, you know, against Colorado, right? You're like, yeah, okay, this is our first game back. You know, it's going to take time. We expect to see this. But you can't be doing this stuff against West Virginia. I mean, fortunately, we only had seven penalties. Oh, sorry, not unfortunately, but, I mean, we had seven penalties, fortunately, only for 39 yards. Could have been for a lot more, um, typically, when you have seven penalties. But, yeah, it was just a frustrating game. I don't want to say any more than that. Yeah. It just... It just was 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 straight up frustrating, but we got to look forward to Iowa State. Iowa State is definitely gonna, you know, they'll put up a fight. Um, I'm I'm praying that we can come out of here. You know, nobody gets hurt. It's a good clean game, and we get in and get out. But Oklahoma, I mean, sorry, not Oklahoma State. Iowa State did beat Oklahoma State earlier this year, 34 to 17, uh, 34 to 27. And then consequently losing 50 to 20 to <laughs> Oklahoma. But I mean, I don't know. I feel like these are two teams that you never know exactly what you're going to get from, whether it's TCU or, or Iowa. Yeah, I expect TCU to take care of business. This is an absolute must win game. If you have any hope of seeing where this season can go, you know, fighting for a bowl game, you know, Big 12 championships pretty unlikely, but. This game you have to win. You got to give yourself a chance here, and TCU should do that. Um, I, Iowa State last year struggled against TCU in that final game, and oh, I, yeah, that, that was a weird, like just bizarre game. Uh, I expect TCU to take care of business, and hopefully they do. We we were all wrong last week, so yeah. hopefully we're all right this week. TCU is on an L3 in games in Ames, Iowa. They have not won since 2015. Their last loss, uh, their first loss in the street came in 2017. TCU coming into that game was ranked number four in the country, was undefeated, and lost 14 to seven in 2017, and has not won since. They lost 49 to 24 in 2019 and 48 to 14 in 2021. The last two games in Ames have been uncompetitive. I remember. 
remember i think wasn't that iowa state game the game after we shocked baylor uh no no it was the last game of the year really okay well, well i think what, 21 yeah because i think we beat baylor and then we just got like blown out the next day yeah that's yeah. what it was okay i didn't know because i was like was it that game okay coming into the the game last year where tcu clobbered iowa state tcu was on a three-game losing streak to the cyclones so take that as you will yeah i think this is a big bounce back game for imani bailey Hopefully, I, I would assume that the offensive line can kind of piece things back together and we see a, a big game from him. And then Chandler Morris, of course, just has to continue to be decisive and hit his throws and continue to lead his receivers. And I think this is a leadership game. I really do think, like, who's going to stand out from this team? Who's going to step up and say, look, we just lost to West Virginia. It's time. We need to bounce back. Someone here, someone from this team has to step up and take control of this game and try and win this for TCU. Yeah, and, and, and also remember, TCU's, you know, I, I, I don't, as of right now, know the, the status of Brandon Coleman, but Brandon Coleman didn't play this last game. Mm-hmm. He's, a, he's a huge piece. He's an absolutely massive piece to this offense and this offensive line. He is one of the veteran presence you know, pieces on this O-line. And then to remember again, Johnny Hodges, he's been hurt for the last couple of weeks. We don't know exactly what it is, but obviously it's something that sidelined him for the last two weeks. You know, he didn't play against SMU. Um, he didn't play against West Virginia. Is he going to come back? Is he not? Dep- you know, and, and again, we're getting into that point of the season where it's this the middle of the season. It's just like you said, Seth, it's only going to get more difficult. And going to what you said, Zion, you really – this is when you're going to see what this team is made of. It is. I mean, you're coming off of a horrid loss, a team that you should have beaten, and now you need to kind of show your character and say, hey, that wasn't us, and this can't be us going forward. Final thought for the segment for me. How many of y'all, or uh, the two of y'all, not how many of y'all, <laughs> there's only two of y'all, but I guess this can go to the listener uh, or the viewer as well, have ever switched your television to Fox Sports 2. Probably wasn't. I probably haven't done it since Fox Sports 2 first started. I would say a total of zero times. Well, we're lucky gonna... you. You're going to find it on the dial if you <laughs> have it. Yeah, we're going to have to look for it. Fox Sports 2 because of Major League Baseball and the postseason. I'm not complaining. I'm going to be I'm not, completely honest. I'm not complaining either. But shall we get into score predictions? Yeah, score predictions. All right. Zion, you want to start? I will start us off here. I have TCU winning this game 31 to 20. I think that we're going to handle take care of business and Imani Bailey's going to score two touchdowns and the Horn Frogs will improve to 4 and 2. All right, Mr. Seth. I'm not a gambling man even though the entirety of <laughs> Iowa State's team is, but <laughs> Uh, I think TCU covers the spread here and, and wins this game, wow. thirty to seventeen. Wow, <laughs> that, that was out of left field. Uh, oh man, that's funny. What Hunter Decker's ain't playing in this game because he bet on his own team. <laughs> he did, and <laughs> that just that was funny. I did not expect that. Okay, so you said thirty to seventeen, uh, something like that. Okay. I'm gonna go 27-17. I I don't think it'll be. I, I I think it'll be a lot like the Houston game where it was never, it never felt like we were gonna lose. 
but I don't think we were that we're gonna get ahead super far and just be like, yeah, we're done. I think I think we will handle this game pretty well. I think we'll march in there and get the job done. So yeah, I'll say 27-17. Just whatever it is, even if my score prediction is wrong, just win. Just win, baby. Please. Have, it, Please. have any of us gotten one like right on the nose yet? I don't think so. No, that's no. really hard to do. You definitely I've... didn't get it right when you did SMU. Oh, hey. yeah. Hey. We've yeah. come close a few times, hey. but we not, have. not on the dot. Hey, we if, if we're going off of my score predictions, I have the exact same record as their actual record. I just got, I just picked the games wrong. Cool. Cool. <laughs> and we're still coming off of a real bad loss. <laughs> but anyways, we just took a look at you know the recap against West Virginia, but TCU does have business to do up in Ames, Iowa, and that's going to be a big game on Saturday night on at 7 p.m., on FS2. So when we come back, <laughs> try and sell it any, yeah. any better. <laughs> when we come back, we will talk about NCAA college football, some of the best games from this last weekend. Definitely talking about that Ole Miss LSU game. And then Georgia and Auburn, that was a close one at the end. So stick right here on 88.7 The Choice. You're listening to Riff Ram Review here on KTCU The Choice. It may be hard to believe, but people just like you are already saving money. FeedThePig.org makes it easy. Their simple savings plan teaches you how to start saving without going overboard. So you don't need to ditch the car and start rollerblading to work. I look ridiculous. You look ridiculous! You don't need to start foraging wild berries. I was skeptical, but these are actually pretty good. You don't need to sell your organs on the black market. Lie back. This is gonna hurt. Yeah, that hurts. You don't need to rent out your apartment to drifters. I made a fire with the wood in your bedroom. That's my dresser! And your closet door. You just need an internet connection. Don't get left behind. Start your personal savings plan with the tips and tools on feedthepig.org. That way, you don't need to sell all your belongings and live in a commune. These dungarees belong to all of us now, Tom. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Riff Ram Review right here on 88.7 KTCU The Choice. I'm Zion Trammell here with Ian Nepetian and Seth Dowdle. Love me some Travis Scott, man. That He's the highest in the room, is it? Oh, is that Travis Scott? That is Travis Scott, yeah. Travis Fantastic Scott. song. Scott Travis on the driver's license. The only Travis Scott song that I really know is Goosebumps. Yeah, that's a good song. That's, that's like banging My song. mom loves that song. It's banging so song. funny. I, she loves that song. It's a great <laughs> trivia question for, for Miss... For, for Miss Zion's mom. <laughs> Mrs. Trammell. Mrs. Yeah. Trammell. Yeah. Nah, I don't know what was going on. <laughs> Forgot my last name for yeah. a second. <laughs> All right. That's funny. Uh, anyways, um, <laughs> we're going to talk about week five of the college football season. There was some pretty interesting games we're going to talk about in SEC matchup here with Ole Miss beating LSU 55-49. to no defense was played until that final possession where Ole Miss uh, shut it down to knock off the Tigers. LSU falls to 3-2, and two, and yet they're still ranked. And Ole Miss goes to 4-1. and one. Can anyone explain why LSU's 3-2 and two and still ranked? Uh, quality losses, my friend. Quality losses. Yeah, you lost big time to Florida State, and uh, you lose here at Ole Miss. But, yeah, let's keep ranking them. Anyways, um... What a game, though. That I mean, honestly, offense just 
for both sides was terrific. And Jaden Daniels, 414 yards and four touchdowns, zero interceptions in a losing effort has got to suck. That's just super unfortunate. And the LSU Tigers, they got a problem here with, with defense. That's This has kind of been a problem this entire season, and it's probably not going to get fixed. They do have a problem with defense. Uh, they uh, led an Arkansas offense that is completely inept, score all over them uh, the week before, and then they played Ole Miss, and they couldn't keep up. Right, it's one thing to keep up with Arkansas, but it's another to keep up with uh, Jackson Dart, who's a very you know good thrower of the football, and then Quinshawn Judkins, Quinshawn Judkins, and Ulysses Bentley the fourth are two very good running backs. It's a very good running back tandem that they have there uh, in, in Oxford, Mississippi, and then Ulysses Bentley the fourth averages ten yards a carry, and then Judkins averages five point four yards per carry. And then Jackson Dart throws for 389 yards and averages 10 yards an attempt. I mean, what are we doing here? Yikes! Big, big yikes! I, that that's pretty. That that's that's no bueno. That's not going to get things done if you're going to win football games. And for LSU, I guess Seth will ask you, like, what's next? Like, where do they go from here? Well, I mean, they gotta. I mean, there's there's still wins on the schedule, obviously. Missouri coming up this week in what I think is going to be a pretty good game. And I think Missouri's got a pretty good shot against LSU, especially if this defense continues to, to trend the way it has. And Missouri's impressed uh, me so far. Obviously, they got that big win against K-State. Uh, and then they just continue to just take care of business uh, week in and week out, even though they've had some scares uh, to some you know inferior opponents. They, they've just taken care of business, and that's all you can ask uh, for Missouri. But then... Uh, the schedule, luckily for them, they got some key games at home. They only have two more road games the rest of the season. And only one, I, I, I'm sorry, mo- both of those are uh, in conference. They go to Missouri, and then they own, their only road game the rest of the year after that is uh, against Bama. And then they're at home for the rest of them. They got Auburn, Army, Florida State, Georgia State, and A&M all at home to round out the year. And you would think that the Army and Georgia State games are... Uh, automatic win so you'd hope <laughs> you would one would hope so i mean lsu is going to make a bowl game they're probably going to win seven games uh and i mean Jaden daniels in that offense is good enough to compete with the best of them it's just a matter of that defense defense can stop anybody yeah and seth you this just quickly this last weekend you were at texas a&m arkansas at at&t how, how was that oh it was a a slog that's all. Describe Little pig it. Suey. Yeah, it was a bunch of pi- it was a bunch of pigs slogging on the field. That's what I'll tell you. Like that, it was just it was it was a horrid watch for most of it. Both teams. Those games a, a are horrid watch. Those those, te- those teams usually play pretty entertaining games. Uh, it doesn't matter the talent gap between them. They're usually pretty exhilarating games. This game was. I mean, A and M put their foot on Arkansas's throat, and even when Arkansas kind of got back into it, they. Uh, I mean, they they were. Here, you know, here's the stat. Here's the stat that'll that'll illustrate how the game felt. Give y'all, it to me. Y'all ready? Since the there was a stat in the middle of the first. <laughs> you're like like here's a stat. Oh, yeah, hold on. Let me set the context. Yeah, there okay. was a stat. There was a stat. All right. In the okay, okay. Y'all are getting me rattled here. Goodness gracious. Goodness gracious. Should we pivot? No, 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 no. no. I got it. Redo, I got it. Redo. Redo. Okay. Give it to me. Okay. Here we go. 
KJ Jefferson had 50 plus yards passing on their first drive. The quarterback for Arkansas. Yes. And that drive ended midway through the first quarter. In the fourth quarter, midway through the fourth, since that moment in time where he had 50 plus yards passing, I don't remember how many attempts, he was two of six for zero yards from the middle of the first quarter to the midway point of the fourth quarter. Wow. What? Dang. That's bad. Oh, that's bad. That so is two stat. for six for no for, for zero yards. For Nada. Wow. Uh, zero. Those receivers are like, what are we doing here? So I I'm curious, was just there running. Was was there a was there a loss of yardage on like the throws or was it just he I don't remember, but I will tell you this right now. Seven sacks for AM. Oof. And fifteen tackles for loss. Oh wow. That sounds like this the 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 Giants. Giants. Yeah, <laughs> that's bad. That's really bad. Yeah, uh, I mean it was just just I mean A and M's employing some five star D tackles and DNs and who they who were freshmen last year. I don't know if y'all remember A and M had that really good class, number one class in the nation. Were all freshmen last year, and they were you know freshmen last year. A lot of people were expecting a lot out of them, and you know they went five and seven, but. This year, they're all kind of coming into their own, especially Walter Nolan. Walter Nolan, one and a half sacks, three and a half tackles for loss. He was one of those big five stars in that class. And, and especially on the front end of that defense for AM, they're all kind of coming together and, and playing really, really well. And ever since that Miami loss, that defense has looked pretty good. And I think AM is going to give Alabama a, real, a really good run for their money uh, this weekend. But that's talk for a later time. Yeah, talk for a later time. So we're going to talk about USC and Colorado. There's still those Buffaloes are still relevant in the media, even though they're also three and two. But it's hard because Saturdays when TC plays at home, I don't get to watch as much college football because I'm going to the game. But this one I did watch, and it was almost an incredible comeback by Colorado. And another problem here with a top team with USC that has a defensive problem, but. That's besides the point. They got the win. You know, they kept their playoff hopes alive, and they've got a really tough schedule, so they desperately needed this win. But I wanted to talk about the final possession for Colorado because USC, they missed a field goal, and you're down two scores. You're down 48 to 34 with, was it like six minutes left, something like that? Yeah, six minutes left. You got a chance here. You drive down quickly. You score a touchdown, get a stop on defense, get the ball back. Shadur Sanders can do what he do. I believe the key word there for you, Zion, is quickly. Yes, <laughs> quickly. They did not do it quickly. They scored a <laughs> touchdown in 10 plays, 78 yards. That took four minutes. Jeez. Oh, and, I mean, oh, my gosh. I was, I'm was. i sitting here like, what, what are we doing? You know? Like, We're, come on, guys. Urgency. Okay, there's there's none. <laughs> hey, it's, hey, guys, we got we to gotta go. Yeah, we we, we got to start moving the football here. First and ten, inside handoff. That's what I like to see right there. That's what I like to Picks see. Picks up zero yards. Second and ten, inside handoff. Third and six. Like, I was so confused by that. I thought that was just hilarious. I was I was laughing, but I'm thinking here as a football fan, um, coach Coach Prime. Prime time. You're running out of time here, buddy. Like, prime time. We don't have time for prime. We, we don't have time for prime. We, we got to score. And they scored, but it was too little too late. They had to attempt an onside kick. Yeah. They didn't get it. Game over. 
Yeah, you know, it's 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 funny, and I mean, this this is just more general, but like, I always feel like in games, you know, when the, you know, whenever your team is playing poorly and you need like some some quick drive to give you life, it's always funny because those two minute drills seem to work, right? They always seem to work, and I always say. You know, this is the this is the uneducated fan in me. You know, I mean, why don't I, they always play? Why like can't this? they always just do these two minute drives? Yeah. You know, why not always have you know a four minute you know ha, you know s- script some plays? You know, but yeah, I mean that that's the thing. It's kind of like you got to realize how much time you have, and I'm not saying that they didn't realize. They obviously knew, but it's just you got to show a little more urgency in certain certain spots at certain times in a football game. From the from the USC side of things here though, same story different year here. Uh, there is another Lincoln Riley coach team going to waste a generational talent at quarterback cuz the defense can't stop anybody. Is that where we're at again? I think it is. I I think yeah. USC is not going to make the college football playoff because that defense will not show up. And it's it stinks because we can list them off are you ready? Here we go. Here we go. Baker Mayfield, Heisman. Kyler Murray, Heisman. Jalen Hurts, really good quarterback. Caleb Williams. And then Spencer Rattler is sandwiched in there. Oh, boy. You Spencer confused Rattler. me for a sec because I was like, wait, that's – and then I, yeah, yes. you're talking about under Lincoln Riley, not USC. Yeah, yeah. Yes. But most of these are with the same defensive coordinator, Alex Grinch, who's been there with him forever. And – it's just the same story, different year. Uh, last year, against, I think, the Tulane game uh, in, yeah. in the Cotton Bowl epitomizes this to the max of you're playing Tulane, you, you're you obviously more talented than them, you're up by multiple scores very late into the game, and you, man, and you let them come back and beat you. Uh, and the whole reason that they were in the Cotton Bowl and not in the college football playoff is because the defense didn't show up against Utah in the Pac-12 championship. It's just... It's it, it's baffling to me. I, I under Lincoln Riley is a very smart guy. He's obviously a, a great offensive mind, and he's a great you know developer developer of quarterbacks. His his track record is is fantastic. But you would love to see uh, if you're a USC fan or or an Oklahoma fan back then, right? It's like, hey, this we can score, but we can't out, we can't continually outscore people because sometimes the offense isn't going to be completely on, and sometimes you're going to have to lean on those guys on the defensive side of the ball. It's baffling. Yeah, they've scored at least 42 points in every game. Scored 56 against San Jose State, 66 against Nevada, 56 against Stanford, 42 against Arizona State, and then 48 against Colorado. And I think they're going to run into that problem when they have to face Notre Dame, Utah, Washington, Oregon, and UCLA. That is, I'm not saying it's going to be a problem every game. They'll probably win a good majority of those, yep. but... Yep. One of those teams is going to figure it out, and Caleb Williams can only do so much. He had a marvelous game. Brilliant. I mean, that dude is special, and we we all recognize that. But USC, last year, lost three games. Do you all want to know the point totals of the games? that they? How many points they scored on offense in the games they lost? Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Yep. They lost 43-42 to to Utah. That was their first loss. Uh, they lost 47 to 24. Uh, Caleb Williams got hurt in this game midway through. He was playing on a limp. Uh, uh, he was playing pretty limp, but again, you have 47 points. What are we doing? And then lost 46 to 45 in the Cotton Bowl. They had a game earlier 
they had to beat Arizona 45-37. They had to beat Cal 41-35. to And they had to beat, uh, where is it? I just lost it. Oh, come on, Seth. Oh, they had to beat UCLA 48-45. to So, I mean, that offense was putting the team on their back. And, yeah. and, I mean, Caleb Williams won the Heisman for a reason. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, yeah, I mean, just going back to what you said about the schedule, I mean, like, I, I, I don't think Arizona is going to do the same thing that they did last year against USC. But at the same time, again, USC's defense is atrocious. And you'll never really know until you show up that game and you watch the first couple drives and you get a sense of, hey, are they showing up today? Have they changed anything? Have they made adjustments or not? But again, that's the thing is like with, with this upcoming schedule, outside of, um, outside of Cal, outside of UCLA, and outside of Arizona – like they're really gonna have trouble, and against even those three teams, I don't think it's gonna be an easy, easy, you know, steamroll by any means. Yeah, we'll see what happens for USC moving forward. We'll quickly talk about Big Twelve scores. Baylor came back to beat UCF 36-35. That was an incredible game. Uh, Texas clobbered Kansas 40 to 14. I was hoping for a little closer game, but the, those Longhorns are dominant this season. Uh, we'll. Talk just really briefly, Georgia versus Auburn, because I feel like we have to mention it. Georgia yep. barely escaped here, and I think if Auburn just has a competent quarterback, they probably win this football game. <laughs> well, they're running line again. We're running two quarterbacks out there. We got Robbie Ashford and we got Peyton Thorne. Peyton Thorne, a transfer from Michigan State, and it, it, it tells you wonders when the Michigan State fans are like, "Oh, Peyton Thorne's transferring." Okay. <laughs> All that's, right, we're, that's cool with me. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, they had it was ten zip. Auburn led ten zip. And and was had an opportunity to drive and tie the game, uh, and they gave Georgia everything that they had. Uh, Georgia's just been kind, of, been kind of on cruise control. They haven't really. I feel like they haven't really put it into another gear yet. I don't know if they have that other gear. Uh, we'll see. Obviously, they're very talented. But Brock Bowers won them this football game, and uh, that's the story for me. Brock Bowers is a really good tight end. He he's solid. Brock Bowers is from Napa, California. Is he? Oh, that's awesome. Yep, I yep. didn't know that. He's, that's uh, pretty cool. He's uh. Do you know what high school he went to? I don't. Mm. I don't. I want to say it was in like St. Helena or Healdsburg. Yeah. I love Healdsburg. I love St. Helena. I love yeah. Napa. Napa's great. Napa's awesome. Wine country. Yep. Uh, I big, haven't had any wine there, but. Biggest comeback in Baylor football history, by the way. Yeah, 26 points in the fourth quarter. Yeah. I just, sorry, I just had to. Yeah. I just remember, but that was crazy. Yeah. I don't know what Dave Aranda said in between quarters, but he was just like, you know, hey, hey, by the way, sounds good to me. Uh, that play that uh, Timmy McLean <laughs> made to convert fourth and ten. Yes. What do you got? Ran back forty yards, throw it fifty. Uh, I know they didn't win, but that was awesome. That was crazy. The call by Eric Collins, uh, who's known as the play-by-play for the Charlotte Hornets, was electric. It's a great call. I mean, he went all the way back into his own end zone. So. Yeah, dude was dude was about to get a safety. Yeah. I, I would love to have gone in the mind of Timmy McLean there. Like, what was his thought process? It was just run, run away, run. Uh, away. Uh, oh, oh, there's someone. I'll just fling the ball, and uh, he came down with it. But. Props to the lineman for not being downfield. By the way, yes, no holding calls. You yeah. know, I mean, you know, that's just as impressive. Well, they were like, all right, we have a better chance of letting them chase him away than us holding him. So oh, go yeah. chase him and. 
we'll and then we'll see if our guy can work out a miracle. And he did. Unfortunately, they didn't get the win, but that was that was that was a ton of fun. It was insane. Yeah. So a crazy uh, week five of the college football season. That will wrap up our first hour here. In the second hour, we're going to talk about the MLB postseason and the NFL and the craziness that happened there. So stay tuned. You're listening to Riff Ram Review right here on KTCU The Choice. So you see, son, good manners are very, very important. Someday, many years from now, when you're a grown-up, you'll be a man. And when you are, you should be a gentleman. Do you want me to go through it one more time? Yes. Yes, please. Yes, please. Exactly. Always say please, thank you, you're welcome, and excuse me. Sit up straight, hold doors open for ladies. If a door's shut, then knock first. Don't burp, don't swear, don't speak with your mouth full, don't reach across people's plates, keep your elbows off the table. What table? And don't interrupt. While we're at it, don't stare, don't use foul language, don't call people names, but do remember people's names. Always share your toys, play nice, and cover your mouth when you cough or sneeze. On the bus, give up your seat to anyone who has trouble standing. Bottom line, treat others the way you'd like to be treated. Got it? Got it. And stop picking your nose. Most parenting is hard to do in just two minutes. But spending just two minutes twice a day making sure they brush their teeth is easier and could help save them from a lifetime of tooth pain. For fun two-minute videos to watch while brushing, visit 2min2x.org. That's 2min2x.org. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Miles, Healthy Lives, and the Ag Council. Welcome back, everybody, to Riff Ram Review here on KTCU, the choice, your choice for college radio. My name's Ian Apetian. And tonight I'm joined alongside Zion Trammell and Seth Dowdle. We just got finished with our first hour of the show, touching on some TCU soccer, TCU volleyball, of course, TCU football. And then we did recap what was a pretty crazy weekend of college football, Ole Miss and LSU, Colorado and USC, and then touching on some other games of that. But now it's time to shift gears and look into the MLB postseason. We've been blessed with some wonderful Rangers baseball. And I just got to ask, how are you guys feeling? Good. <laughs> I, we're like, I think we're both <laughs> waiting. I'm feeling great. Yeah. Um, it's It feels good. For the first time in 12 years, the Texas Rangers have won a playoff series. It feels so good to say it. It's, it's a huge lift. I'm sure. It feels great. You know, was, we did the bonus episode on uh, on Monday, and I said when we recorded this episode, the Rangers season could be over. And that's that was true at the time, but it's no longer true now because it is not over. They they play on. Yep, they live to f- play another three games at the minimum. And I actually picked Texas to win in two games, and they did it. So I felt proud about that. Uh, it was a great. Yeah, your other pick wasn't too great. Oh, with the Blue Jays. Oh, yeah. I would. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that later. We'll get to that later. But let's talk about. The, the 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 you know game one, obviously Jordan Montgomery came out and then game two Nathan Avaldi. Let's take just a recap, kind of look at this, and then eventually later in the show we'll dive into what this means going forward with you know the prospect of the Rangers and the Orioles and the ALDS. But I mean Jordan Montgomery yesterday seven innings pitched, gave up six hits, no runs, um, no walks. Was it no walks? Uh, I don't believe that a Rangers starter walked anybody. Yeah. And then five strikeouts. So, I mean, for you know, from a Rangers perspective, this is exactly what you needed. You wanted one of your starters to go in there, eat up a lot of innings, and he did so with seven. Then you handed it over to the bullpen that you know that that did their job. They shut out. Um, you know, Chapman and and Jose Leclerc came in, both pitching shutout innings. And then, I mean, for the offense, it's not like the Rangers did anything spectacular, but they did enough. 
Yeah, this game was scripted out uh, to perfection from from Montgomery. This was exactly what they wanted. Seven innings of shutout baseball, uh, and then he said it, the offense did enough. I mean, that fir- the first run, for, uh, the first run was scored on a sacrifice sacrifice fly. Uh, the second run on a wild pitch. Uh, the Rangers could have scored a lot more runs than they did. Glassdown did a fantastic job of getting out of multiple jams early on in this game. Yeah. Um, but two nothing after the first four innings, I believe, and then. They score two more on a Seager single, but Jose Siri, with the biggest blunder of the postseason so far, uh, you feel it's a sinking liner that's going to fall for a single anyway, right? A run's going to score. He tries to scoop it like a first baseman. Uh, consequentially, the ball flies way up in the air, uh, away from him. This is allowing. This now allows Evan Carter, who was at first, uh, to get to to third. He was going to be safe anyway, but Jose Siri decides, hey, I'm going to try and play hero ball and and throw it to third to get him out. Uh, he doesn't throw it to third. He throws it to one of the lucky uh, 19,000 that was in the crowd that day uh, who gets to take a, a lucky souvenir home, and the run comes in to score, and the Rangers lead 4 nothing and don't look back. I think if I was a Rays fan, that's not a souvenir I'd be very happy to have. I'm like, why is this ball in my hand right now? Are we kidding right now? Jose Siri has to just... Eat it. Just yeah. eat that. Throw it to the cutoff man yep. in the infield. Do not try to make that throw to third, and that cost them a run. But the Rangers did exactly what I had hoped they would do, is you're not going to do much against Tyler Glass now. He's going to be one of the best pitchers the Rangers will face the entire postseason, no matter how far they make it. He is a dominant pitcher. But they took advantage of mistakes. They had good base running. They did the small things which win playoff games. And Jordan Montgomery, that's why you traded for him to pitch in big games like this. He was remarkable. He made a diving catch on a bunt, went all out. And look, the Rangers' biggest weakness is the bullpen. They hadn't they didn't not they didn't need to rely on them too often in this series. And that's gonna be a key to success. Yeah, and, and, and with game one, I mean, the Rays committing four errors is just, I mean, you, 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 you can't commit four errors and win a playoff game. That's And what's funny is that the first three didn't really cost them. It was that fourth yep. that cost them. Yep. The, the, they had three in the first three innings, and then, you know, it, it wasn't because of the errors that the runs scored, but then that fourth one yep. on Siri, which honestly should have just been two separate errors, should have been one when he fielded and then one on the throw. Uh, that's the one that cost him, and uh, because two nothing is entirely different than you feel a lot different going into that game. Like uh, later in the game against the bullpen for the Rays' offense, if it's two or three nothing, you're like, all right, we're 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 close, right? We we can do this. But then four nothing, it just it, it with the way that the Rays were swinging the bat uh, on on Tuesday afternoon, it just felt a lot more out of reach than it probably was, but. Yeah, just an impressive outing on Tuesday, and then that built on itself going into this afternoon's game, where they, you know, they they continued it up, and the offense stepped up big time, big time. Yeah, I mean the the the, the Texas Ranger offense. Th- this is pretty crazy. Everyone in in the lineup had a hit, and that's that's a recipe for success in any game, let alone a playoff game against the Rays, who just offensively really really struggled. I mean, for for the Rangers. You know, you guys had that big fourth inning, putting up four runs, and you scored one in the fifth, two in the sixth, going up seven zip. And from then on, I mean, maybe not as a Ranger fan, but, you know, looking at that 7-0 scoreline, 
it's a it's a much more comfortable last couple innings. Just hey, don't don't do anything stupid. You know, just play smart. Boach, if you got to pull out, if 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 you have to pull out Nathan Avaldi, pull him out. And he did at you know after six and two thirds. Nathan Avaldi did great today. That's telling Zion. I mean, for someone that's typically more of a weak contact kind of guy, I mean, with eight Ks today, he really really shut down the Rays. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty impressive to see what Nathan Ivaldi was doing. This was easily his best start since returning from the injured list. He was getting ahead of every count that he was in. His fastball location was perfect. I mean, he was really painting on the outside, inside corners. His four-seam fastball worked really well. You could just feel that he was in a rhythm from the start. I said it through one and a third inning that, wow, he looks a lot better a lot more comfortable than he did in his last few starts. And really, it's just exactly what you would hope for from Nathan Ivaldi, and really shutting down this Rays lineup who, yeah, they're without, you know, with Yandy Diaz and Randy Rosarena, those are your top two guys. After that, it kind of gets a little shaky. But regardless, it was a terrific performance. And this is the offense that you'll see from the Texas Rangers moving forward. It sucks. I'm going to talk about from a Rays perspective here. Uh, another disappointing outing in the postseason for the Rays uh, after a really, really good regular season once again. I mean, you start 13-0. and And then, much like the Rangers, this is a team decimated with injuries. I mean, their top three starters, uh, McClanahan, Rasmussen, and Jeffrey Springs, uh, out for the rest of the season. Don't even get to see them. I mean, just imagine a postseason rotation of McClanahan, Glassnow, uh, Jeffrey Springs, and Drew Rasmussen. I mean, that is... That's devastating. I know. And they have, I mean, Zach Eflin. Yes. Yep, yep. Uh, and so the, the injuries and then, you know, obviously some other unfortunate circumstances uh, surrounding Wander Franco take another big bat out of the lineup. So, again... From the Rays, uh, another good regular season, but once again, another postseason. I mean, they kept flashing the 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 very unfortunate statistic for Tampa the entire game. Uh, they were scoreless in their last 31, 32, 33 innings of postseason baseball and were about to tie the all-time record before they scored uh, their first run of the game uh, through 33 and two-thirds, after 33 and two-thirds innings of them not scoring a run in a postseason game. Yeah, and quickly, I just last thing I want to say is Evan Carter is unbelievable what he's doing in the postseason right now. He's drawing walks, great at bats. He had a humongous two run home run today, plays good defense. I'm loving what I'm seeing from Evan Carter, and I can't wait to see more of it. What does Evan Carter do? He gets on base. Yes, he does. He, he does. is terrific. Hey, the future of the Rangers right there. They call him, I loved it. They call him Mr. Full Count. Yeah, that's, that's exactly. what they call him. Yeah. Well, anyways, moving on, we will touch on the Rangers ALDS matchup with the Orioles, who they will travel to Baltimore to take on the O's on Saturday. But we've got some more games that we want to touch on quickly going through Minnesota Twins Blue Jays. The Twins just finished up their game at the time of recording this. Sonny Gray went out on the bump, got a great start for the Twins. Twins won two zip, winning the series. But um, on month, sorry, on Tuesday, Royce Lewis just took that game by the scruff of the neck. Two homers. Twins win their first playoff game in over 18 years. And then you turn around and have a great game today. I know we want to talk about one specific play, especially from today's game. Yeah, but we, Gray. we'll touch on game one here first uh, before we get into that. Uh, a great outing from Pablo Lopez. 
um, and 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 so that was that was a really a really good game. And then um, Royce Lewis obviously just putting the team on his back. So that, that was that was that was a good time for for Minnesota. And then it's awesome to see that that environment, right? That that environment was was awesome and and so i feel so good for twins fans that they finally can get that monkey off their back and get that first win in 18 years and then today the aforementioned play that ian you're talking about uh what inning was it i'm fourth? not sure fourth fourth, the inning. fourth uh they're up by two i believe it's two nothing and the tying runs at second uh it's runners at second and third with two outs uh and sunny gray picks off vladimir guerrero jr to end the inning and get out of the jam, and then from that point on, the Blue Jays just said nothing. Yeah, that's just an example of textbook, a textbook pickoff move. Great communication between your starting, between your pitcher and your shortstop, being able to communicate that beforehand. Sonny knowing when Correa was going to get to the bag. Correa snuck up behind Guerrero, and that's kind of been the story of this series: is Pablo Lopez, Sonny Gray, and that Twins pitching staff getting out of jams and keeping them in it and Toronto unable to capitalize with runners in scoring position. Yeah, and and kind of just going off of that defense and shifting gears to the Diamondbacks, the the Diamondbacks in my opinion, they shocked the Brewers last uh, not sorry, well last night, but um, on Tuesday winning 6 to 3, but Evan Longoria had himself quite a game. I mean, he made some spectacular plays. It was there's that I can't remember what inning it was, but he snagged a liner. Bases loaded at one out. Yeah, bases loaded one out, snagged the liner, and then just shoveled that thing to second. And my gosh, I mean, Seth and I were watching the game, and we were just screaming like, "Oh my days! What did we just watch from Evan yeah, Longoria?" It would have been a, a bases clearing double that would have given Milwaukee the league. I mean, Milwaukee came out and roared out to a three nothing lead, and then back to back homers by Corbin Carroll and Cattell Marte tie the game, and then Gabriel Moreno gives them the lead with a 4-3 bomb, and then they don't look back. Uh, great resilience from Arizona. Uh, who would have thought that the, the game that they threw out, Stephen Fott, the 24-year-old rookie with a 5-9 ERA, is the one they win. Yeah, Seriously. It was awesome to watch Evan Longoria do that because I used to play third base. That's my position. I was an Evan Longoria fan growing up. Seeing him play like that was awesome. He made some incredible heads-up plays. It's that veteran presence, knowing where runners are on the field, just awareness where he, he made a mistake on a ground ball. He fumbled it, immediately looked to second throughout Christian Yelich. I just... I loved it. I love elite third base play, third baseman play. Evan Longoria got me fired up. I loved it. It was great. Good to see him, you know, performing at a high level in the postseason. Yeah, and and, and for the Diamondbacks at the time of recording, important to note they're playing the Minnesota. Oh my gosh, the Milwaukee Brewers right now. They are down two zip, but that game will be finished by tonight. And it's looking like we, we might get a game three. We'll talk about the prospect of that later on, but. Then just finally going over to the Phillies and the Marlins. I mean, we said it on Monday's bonus episode. I mean, at least I said it. The Marlins just—I I don't know if they have enough. I don't know if they have enough veteran presence on this team. I think they're just a little too young. And again, Citizens Bank Park. What what an absolute amazing venue to have a playoff game. I mean, I just saw a video earlier today. When it was it was the second out, Zach Wheeler striking out. Um, uh, uh, I think it was Jorge Soler for the second out of the first inning, and it just felt like a prime time, like you know, 
playoff game. It was it was wonderful. I mean, for the Phillies, Zach Wheeler had a great game, six and two thirds, gave up five hits, one earned run, but eight Ks, and the Phillies really much pretty much cruised to a four to one win. And they're playing the Marlins tonight. Aaron Nolan, Braxton Garrett. We already gave our thoughts on that, but. I mean, so far, postseason baseball has not disappointed, right? It's amazing. It's I love been a, it. It's been a ton of fun. Uh, actually, the Phillies-Marlins game ended last night. I was like, "Is there? can there be more, please? Yeah. I want more. Because after that, I mean, the Diamondbacks-Brewers game was nuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, the, I mean, the Phillies-Marlins game kind of felt like the Phillies were on cruise control the entire game. It did. And I, I just wanted more. But hopefully the, the final two games tonight, I'm hoping we get – two game threes tomorrow i don't yep. even care who wins yeah. uh, the game game threes it. but I, I want i want more baseball tomorrow because i can't go two days without playoff baseball i can't i, I can't do it I know. I know it's so much fun the only part that sucks is having to sweat out the rangers game in class yeah let's let's schedule these suckers at nights guys guys yeah. come on what are we doing i know i got stuff to do yeah exactly exactly well that was our recap about what is you know, just very briefly ensued in the MLB postseason. There's still a lot more baseball to be played, and we will get to that in our final segment of the show. But next up, we've got some NFL Week 4 recaps. We've got some really great games that we saw this last weekend. Jets and Chiefs really surprised. So stick right here. You're listening to Rear Fram Review on 88.7 The Choice, your choice for college radio. It's Saturday. You and your wife take the boys to the mall, straight to the food court. Your wife and Pete head for tacos. You and Danny want Chinese. You look up at the menu for a few seconds. You look down to see what Danny wants. But you don't see Danny. Your eyes dart around frantically. You instinctively call out. Danny! Danny! From the taco place, you hear a voice. Hey! Dad! Change my mind! Every parent knows that feeling when, even for a few seconds, you lose sight of your child. Imagine if he or she were actually abducted. Go to wirelessamberalerts.org. Sign up for free Amber Alerts on your cell phone. When an Amber Alert is issued in the areas you've chosen, you'll receive a free text message. If you spot the vehicle, the suspect, or the child described in the alert, call 911. Sign up today at wirelessamberalerts.org. A child is calling for help. This message brought to you by the Wireless Foundation, the U.S. Department of Justice, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, and the Ad Council. a Riffram review right here on KTCU The Choice. I'm Zion Trammell here with Ian Nepetian and Seth Dowdle. We just talked some MLB postseason, but now we're going to talk about the NFL, and we're going to start things off with the Dallas Cowboys once again with a blowout win, beating New England 38-3. It was the largest uh, loss in the Bill Belichick era. It's crazy. The Cowboys last season sent Tom Brady into retirement, and then this season they gave Bill Belichick the biggest loss of his career. It was just an all-around dominant performance by the Dallas Cowboys and that defense that just continues to get after it. They looked a little bit off against Arizona, but this is the kind of bounce back you were hoping for from the Cowboys and where they have now in all three of their wins, blown out their opponents. It's pretty weird. Yeah, and kind of just going back to that Arizona game, right? It, just like you guys said a couple of weeks ago, that Arizona game f- felt like and basically was a trap game. But to see that the Cowboys bounce back against a Patriots team that really just is, just hasn't been great, and it's not like anyone's expected it to be anything 
you know, anything particularly wonderful. But to see that you guys shut them out like that, 38 to 3, it's a statement when you guys did what you were supposed to do and, and, and you guys did even more. And, I mean, again, for Dak Prescott, he didn't really have to do much, I guess, you know, passing-wise. I mean, the running game was there for for, for a little bit. And I got to be honest, Jake Ferguson with seven receptions, leading yeah. the team in reception with, you know, with, with seven receptions and then 77 yards. I mean, credit to them. And, again, I mean, Cowboys defense taking the pressure off the offense, I think, is the biggest thing that they've done this year, and they've they've continued to do it really well. Yeah, and that's the thing too with Jake Ferguson is the Cowboys have just done such a good to- such a good job of developing tight ends. Obviously, Jason Witten, and then there was a little bit of a lull, but then Dalton Schultz started to rise onto the scene. But I think most Cowboys fans were pretty okay with him leaving mm-hmm. because he had confidence that they could develop another tight end that can catch the ball pretty well. And I think Jake Ferguson's that guy. They ha- that is kind of like the theme, though. It's been a revolving door of tight ends, and in. All of them have been productive, so that's that's a props to the Cowboys' uh, tight end development program or whatever they do. Yeah, uh, this was a good game. Uh, Dak played a really, really, really well. Uh, the defense with two touchdowns that was always fun. Max Jones looked like he was a uh, Sam Darnold seeing ghosts out there. <laughs> I was gonna uh, say that actually, <laughs> honestly. Uh, I feel bad for for Mr. McAfee Jones, but uh, we got some Bailey Zappi, and you know, here's my thing about Bailey Zappi. Are y'all ready for... Wait, I gotta pull it up. Give me a second. Give me a second. Okay. Yeah. Give it to me. (laughs) Can I say something in between while you're looking it up? I got it. Okay, okay. Oh, gosh. Oh, it's the trivia. Welcome back to Seth's Trivia Corner. Yeah, 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 yeah. All righty. Who has the most passing yards collegiately all time in one season? Out of anybody? Yep. Is it Bailey Zappi? Yes. <laughs> really? <laughs> That's crazy. What college did he go to? Western Kentucky. Oh, goodness. Wow. He passed uh, Joe Burrow's mark at the 2021 season. He beat it. Wow. Dang. I didn't think that would get broken, then let alone Bailey Zappi. That's why, that's why he's the. That's why he's. That's why he's the goat. Yeah, that's I, why he's the goat. I just thought that Mac Jones was completely flustered. I mean, it's one thing to face the Cowboys' defense, but it's just a whole. You know, to to see them play, but then it's a whole nother to actually go go out there and play. I mean, what was he thinking? Throwing the ball on the other side of the field, and Deron Bland reads it perfectly. He plays it perfectly and takes it to the house. Or when he tries to outrun Leighton Vanderesh, who's standing right in front of him. And it's easier said than done. Mac Jones is an okay quarterback, but it just felt like he just, I was like, what is he, what? Like, really? <laughs> it's easier said than done, but could I throw a pick? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I could I mean, definitely throw a pick. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, but I mean, yeah, honestly, I, you know, I just thought that was so weird. Yeah, and who 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 are the Cowboys playing this week? Oh, Niners. Yeah, we'll get into that Niners, game in a little bit. That. Yeah, that's yeah. A, sorry, that's for later. No, it's that's okay. For later. It's sorry. okay. I was Stop just jumping the gun. Yeah, no, it's okay. I know. I know. Um, we will get to that, and that's a big game. But we're gonna talk about the Jets and the Chiefs because. Yeah, they weren't chanting that though because they lost the game, unfortunately. But, but I think it was victories it's a, was a yeah. moral victory, actually. I really do believe that because Zach Wilson played a great game, and I feel bad for the guy because he's just under insane 
circumstances to replace one of the best quarterbacks of all time. This was his team. Now it's not his team, and it's now it's his team again. And he played a great game on primetime. It's just unfortunate that he they didn't get the win. He was balling. He was. He was balling out. That drive to tie it at 20 in the third quarter. Ooh, that was impressive. That, bom, bom, that, bom, that made me tingle. That was a good little drive. I had a good time watching that drive. That... <laughs> did you now? I did. I had a really good time. Oh, okay. I had a good time. Actually, I was I'm sure you got really excited. I was listening to it, actually. I was, uh, I was in the car. So that was, that was a really good time. Oh, yeah. Tell us about the story, by the way, about you Wait, and the car. And... Why were you in the car on this? Well, he was probably driving was, back from home, right? I was, oh. driving, I was driving back from my house. And uh, I'm listening to the game on Westwood One Radio. Uh, and uh, it was, they're, they're driving down the field, they tie it up, and after they tie it up, it's the commercial break. And I, and I had a main character moment where I just talk, said to myself, man, Zach Wilson's balling out right now to <laughs> absolutely nobody. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's a good quarterback. My God, yeah. And what's funny about that is that, like, you're not someone to really like show a lot of emotion yeah. in sports, at least from what I've Me? you know, at least over the last oh, like you know, that's a new thing, year and a half. Yeah, but 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 I mean like for you to say that with no one else in the car too. I <laughs> firmly believed you too. I'm on I thirty and I'm like, wow, Zach Wilson's balling right now. This is great. Like who the heck am I talking? I'm to? having a, I was having a great time too. I was I don't I know you can't be like. The equivalent of your TV, you know, like it's a high-stress situation. Like you might be like crouched down in front of the television or pacing around. I mean, if I was not in the car, I'd be pacing around and stuff. I'm not even rooting for either of these teams. But it was just such a – it sounded like such a fun environment, such a fun little comeback. And obviously they didn't win the game under some controversial circumstances. But uh, that that brief moment in time where they tied it up – and you could you could hear it even on the radio. You could hear the electricity come right back into MetLife Stadium again. Uh, it was like Aaron Rodgers entered the building again and cast this this magical mushroom spell or something on the entire the entire stadium to to and the entire team to finally try again. It was like this is this was not the Jets team that played the Cowboys two weeks ago or the Jets team that played the Patriots and looked like a dead animal walking last week. Yeah, they had a good time. They did, and it's safe. I mean, you could say Zach Wilson outplayed Mahomes. You could say that. I don't think I would. I don't think I'd die on the hill. But you could say yeah, that. You could. Yeah. Oh, it's, excuse it's all me. Good. I apologize. It happens. I apologize, but I, I got to go back and talk about some of the uh, some of the refing. Oh, in the last couple yeah. minutes. Yeah, the NFL doesn't employ us. That we was, can talk about this. That was really frustrating. Just just from even a neutral standpoint, it was just really frustrating. And again, I had bias on the game because I'm a Raider fan. So I don't want the Chiefs to win at all. But there's a reason why Mahomes had 25 to 30 yards of green grass ahead of him. Yeah. It's not – there's there was holding there. It was pretty clear. Mm-hmm. And it just – I don't know. It just felt like they got bailed out every single time. And I kind of felt bad for, for Robert Sala because there wasn't much that he could do about it. I mean, and, and, and he showed his frustration. He did exactly what – he did exactly what any head coach would do. He was was incredibly frustrated at the refing, and but yeah, I don't know. I'm just that that was just my little rant. I'm just I did not like the refereeing in those final couple minutes, and then for Mahomes to slide down past the you know past the first down marker and put his arms up. This like, is just an Ian thing on this this, yeah. this one. Here. 
Yeah. I'm totally fine. Can with I? It. I want to say one last thing about the Chiefs and Isaiah Pacheco because he is the funniest runner in the NFL. <laughs> it looks like he is so mad at that MetLife turf when he runs. He runs so violently. It's like <laughs> Sorry, so what? so violently. <laughs> can we get a re- can we uh, yeah. take this? Yeah. It looks like he's like mad at the turf and Isaiah Pacheco looks like a little kid who just got his like blanket stolen and he's just so mad like he's running to his older brother's room trying to get it back like it's so funny to watch him run or like he just stole some toys from a from his brother and he's just oh, i gotta get back i gotta run I, like, I, one day i hope whenever you're in the booth as a color commentator you say man you know this this run reminds me of that time whenever i was stealing my blanket dealing my brother's blanket now i had to get back to my room before he caught me and he told my parents man this was that was a good time in my life and then the play by plays like all right third and five <laughs> all right this Thanks is the biggest the play biggest play of the game right here <laughs> but right i mean doesn't pacheco just run so much more different yeah he than does any other running back it's like he's a toddler it's so funny yeah yeah i mean and and, and i think what's funny about that is that they they compared him to marshawn lynch now I mean, Pacheco still has ways to go to reach Marshawn Lynch levels, but he's an aggressive runner, and and I think one thing that I like about him is that he he bounces off of players really well, and he's the 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 yards after contact for him is it's got to be I feel like one of the I don't want to say the highest, but he's probably really efficient in that category in terms of taking contact and still continuing. I mean, he's someone again like they showed when Chris Collinsworth pulled up the pulled up the the side-by-side similarities of him and Marshawn. I mean, both guys are not your typical standard-looking running backs, but man, do they 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 continue to fight. They high knee it and just dig into that turf. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. So, we'll move on here to some other games. <laughs> <laughs> he spent more than I, I. We didn't. I didn't imagine us spending any time on Isaiah Pacheco's running style. I had to bring it up. It's so funny, and he's on my fantasy team, and so I love it. Uh, do we want to talk about the Bengals or do we want to talk about Brandon Staley here? Because both of these have me scratching my head here, wondering what is going on. Brandon Staley, Brandon Staley had, baby. Brandon Staley had back-to-back near blunders. Um, I'm. I've just got to be honest. I would fire him after both of these games. <laughs> going for they it two him, weeks though. in a row. Going for it. So against the Vikings, fourth and one on your own 25 in the fourth quarter. Away. Away in Minnesota. You go for it on your fourth and on, on fourth and one. You don't get it. Thanks to Minnesota and Hawkinson and some decent defense, you get the pick and you win the game. Now you're playing the Raiders. No Jimmy Garoppolo. You Aiden know, McConnell. Aiden McConnell's, you know, back there. You do the Purdue exact legend, same thing. Yes, Purdue legend. But you do the exact same thing. And the Raiders very nearly come back and score a touchdown. You know, Aiden McConnell throwing the, the goal line interception to um, uh, Asante Samuel, if I'm not mistaken. That is correct. And then after that, Asante Samuel being told to slide down by, by Mr. Head Coach Brandon Staley. When there's a lot of time left on the clock, if he takes that home, like just like you and I were saying, Zion, that's a pick six and the game's done. Then after that, you still have more than two minutes to go. You're <laughs> running the ball. You hit the two-minute warning on third and ten. 
and then you leave it up to or, Herbert to, or to make, chuck it to to just chuck it down the field and. Man, Palmer came down with it. Yeah. I feel like we talk about the Chargers the most out of, like, Dallas because they have something new every week. I just feel bad for Justin Herbert at this it's point. It's a comedy show. They're so like, funny, though. I love he, it. Yeah, I it, wish this would never stop. He, he threw a bullet to win the game. Like, that was yeah. an insane throw. And yeah. it kills me that people still somehow blame Herbert or, you know, that very few people do. But, gosh, that's weird. Yeah, Brandon Staley just not the guy. Yeah, not the, I don't know. Not I would have fired him after after his timeout call against the Raiders a couple years ago that kept them out of the playoffs. Yeah. So we'll t- we'll talk quickly about Cowboys 49ers because this is the biggest game of the year. That's my prediction. I think the Cowboys have to stop Christian McCaffrey because he had a monster game last week. I just have a feeling he's probably going to have a lot of success. And Brock Purdy's no slouch either, obviously. He's a great quarterback, so it'll be interesting to see how the Cowboys' defense plays against them. Dak Prescott has to take care of the football like he has been this season. This is a must-win, must not a must-win game, but a, a pretty big game at that, and I think this could determine seeding later on down the road. Yes, that is correct. It's a pretty big game. It is the biggest game that we've seen thus far. Although the last time we said that this was the biggest game we've seen thus far, it was the Bills-Dolphins game, and that was just a little uh, doo-doo game. Yeah, that That was was disappointing. But this is on Sunday Night Football. I think this game is going to be close. The Cowboys have to attack San Francisco's secondary. I think CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, they've got to step up. They've got to win those those routes and help out Dak here because – that's gonna I think the key to this game is you know your pass protection has to hold up and you got to attack that secondary and then how is the 49ers offensive line going to game plan for the Cowboys defense yeah and and kind of touched on that these are two of the best defenses in the league not just the best but also most exciting these are defenses that can change the momentum of a game and part of me actually wouldn't be surprised if this isn't as high scoring as maybe some people are expecting it to be I either think it's going to be an absolute shootout or it's going to be a low-scoring game, and I don't think there's an in-between. That's just me, but, I mean, these two defenses, this early on in the season, this is exciting because I also think this is this could very well be, you know, down the line in the NFC, you know, championship. Oh, I hope this so. is an NFC championship-type game that we could look back on and say, hey, what are a couple of things that we learned from this game, so... If if when if and when Dallas gets into the red zone, the key is that they're gonna have to cash in those opportunities yeah. with touchdowns. That's been you know the uh, I feel like that's the thing with all the sports teams we talk about here. TCU that's their problem, and Dallas that's their problem. Yeah. Uh, but that's I mean you're able you're able to get away with it when your defense scores two touchdowns. But again, w- against the Cardinals, that was what you know that was the issue. That's still been an issue, uh, and that's not gonna fly against. Uh, better just any team essentially if you're not getting any help from your defense so uh once they get into that red area they're gonna have to find a way to punch to the end zone and not settle for three that is the key to the game uh for me and then conversely the key for san francisco obviously when dallas gets in the red zone stop them let them let them hold them to three kind of thing so yeah that's my thoughts on uh um, what hopefully is an exciting game. Obviously, we'll all be tuned in on it on Sunday night because it's the only thing that'll be on. Yeah, yep. yeah I'm excited for it. It's a little more personal for me because I have fans, friends back home that are 49ers fans. 
and they've broken my heart the last two years losing to San Francisco. So this game really does mean something on Sunday night football. The Dallas Cowboys and the San Francisco 49ers can't wait. But that's going to wrap up our NFL talk. When we come back, we're going to talk about more MLB postseason, looking ahead to the American League and the National League Divisional Series. You're listening to Riff Ram Review right here on KTCU The Choice. Hey, parents of children with asthma, here's another hit from the Breathe Easies. Come on and clean up the mold. Clean up the mold. Mold can trigger asthma in kids young and old. This song may be fun, but childhood asthma is not. Preventing asthma attacks can be as simple as cleaning up the mold and mildew in your house. For more Breathe Easy tips to help stop asthma attacks, go to noattacks.org. Brought to you by the EPA and the Ad Council. What is going on, everybody, and welcome back to Riff Ram Review here on KTCU, the choice, your choice for college radio. I'm Ian Impeachment, joined alongside Zion Trammell and Seth Dowdle as we're getting to the back end of our show here tonight. But in this final segment, we've got a lot to look forward to. Again, we're going back to postseason baseball. We have two series, two wildcard series that have finished up completely. Two other games are still going on. We're not going to talk about those. We're going to talk about the upcoming ALDS game, uh, ALDS series, excuse me, first of which being the Rangers and Orioles, and then secondly, the Twins traveling down to H-Town to take on the Houston Astros. But we got to start local. Rangers getting the 2-0, the, the, the quick 2-0 series victory over the Rays, who were awfully, dis, uh, awfully disappointing. Now they're going to travel to Camden Yards on Saturday, and that should be a doozy. Yeah, I cannot wait for this series. I really think this has potential to be one of the best playoff series that we've seen in recent playoff history. It's so intriguing because these are two teams that have waited a long time to get to this to where they are now. Baltimore has patiently waited. They've had some excruciating seasons. The Rangers, they have had some ups and downs this season, but it's been a long time for them. There's a lot of young talent. I cannot wait for this. I think this is really going to be an exciting series, and I'm curious to see how it plays out. Mr. Seth? Sorry, my bad, guys. You're good. You're good. I was like, I can hear you through the wall. But <laughs> not, not on the microphone. Set. Yeah, I realized that very quickly whenever I couldn't even hear myself. Um, this is going to be a lot of fun. I'm very excited to see what this environment looks like for in Baltimore on, on Saturday. I routinely watch that Delman Young bases clearing double to take the lead against Detroit, and there had to be some seismic activity that happened with how loud Camden Yards got during during that that play. It was shaking. That it was awesome. And now, and while I I don't hope that anything similar happens <laughs> during this Rangers Orioles series. I think that it's going to be a, a ton of fun to just, you know, it was fun watching Orioles fans all year, even in the regular season. They packed that place out for a lot of it. So it's it's cool to see them back in the ballpark because that ballpark is absolutely gorgeous and it's, it looks like a blast to watch a baseball game there. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and, and Texas, I think, is set up as well as they could pitching wise. Uh, it's almost. It's not almost. It's not like they ha- got a buy because they obviously didn't. But it's almost as this is would 
almost play it the exact same way. I'm so sorry. I can't even get my words out. This would almost sense, play yeah. out the exact yeah. same way that it did had they gotten the bye with how their pitching is set up, I think. Yeah, and, and again, I mean, that's exactly what I was about to say is that, again, with Jordan Montgomery going seven innings on Tuesday, only using Aroldis Chapman and Jose LeClerc to finish that up, and then Nathan Navaldi going six and two-thirds, and again, using minimal arms in you know from the bullpen on two days rest— you guys are going to be going in there pretty much exactly how you would have hoped. I mean, you know, aside from wanting guys back from injury from, from you know, earlier on in the season. But even then, we don't know, right? Max Scherzer could, he could play in this series, right? He threw a bullpen he today. He threw a bullpen. Uh, he hasn't thrown full strength yet. It's going to be interesting. That's going to be a story because will he be on the roster, right? Yeah, ex- exactly. And if he does, if he is on the roster, could he be more of a relief guy at first? Maybe I think that could be a little interesting. I mean, today um, when Zion and I were watching, Andrew Heaney was getting warm in the bullpen, and it kind of gave me flashbacks to Bochi using Madison Bumgarner. What was that? Was that 2014, right? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, really pitching wise, Rangers are going in there exactly how they would have wanted, and then hitting wise, I mean, four, four, you know, putting up four runs against the Rays in game one, seven against the Rays in game two, you're really getting hot, and just like we've always said, you only need a little spark to make a deep playoff run. Yeah, there are two things that stand out to me as the Rangers come into this series, is obviously the extra day of rest is so pivotal, and I'm curious to see what happens with Scherzer and John Gray as well. He could also return for this series. It'd but have to be Game Five. He's not eligible to return until Game Five. Yeah, but it, is, it is a possibility. So, and hope. Let's hope that it doesn't even get to that point. That we just win in four, and you know, we don't even have to worry about that. But here's the other thing: is that the last two times the Texas Rangers have made the postseason, they had the bye where they came in and they played Toronto, and. Toronto just had momentum going into both of those series. The Rangers this time, they have the momentum. Baltimore hasn't going hasn't played in a week. Yeah. You didn't have to use too many arms. Rangers have to be feeling great that they just took down Baltimore's biggest rival throughout the season in Tampa Bay. I mean, who's to say that I know we picked Baltimore to go to the World Series, but who's to say that the Rangers can't pull this off because Yes, they're a wild card team, but they have been one of the best teams in baseball the entire season. Uh, Texas played better against the Orioles in Baltimore this year than they did in Texas. Won two out of three in Baltimore back in May. It's a long time ago, uh, but still, that 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 is what happened. And they hit the ball very well in that series. Now, conversely, in Arlington, it was Baltimore who pitched really well to the Rangers. This was just, and again, this was very early on. This was the second series of the season. So it's been a while since these two teams have played, but uh, Texas, with good history in Baltimore this year, going to see if that carries over. Obviously, these two teams are completely different than they were back in late May uh, to now. So it's it's going to be fun to see. I guess should we should we talk about what we think the pitching rotation lines up for the Rangers? I think we have a pretty good idea. Uh, I'll let y'all uh, resign. Do you want to take it take it away here? Yeah, I mean, I I expect it to be Montgomery, Evaldi, and Dunning. I mean, that's probably what you go with and hope that you can use Heaney out of the bullpen. And I think Dunning goes on Saturday. For game for game uh, one? Yeah. Montgomery, that will be four days rest. 
or three days rest. Is that what you just said? No, I no. say game. <laughs> sorry, I'm so <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Tuesday went well. No, it's it's four days rest. Yeah, because uh, um, or no, yeah, Wednesday, Thursday. Fr- oh, yeah, okay, Th- that could be the case. Um, either way, I mean, either way, I, it's, it's Montgomery with more rest than you would have thought he might had. Uh, so I, I think that's I think either or, but I think they will probably go with Dunning just because he doesn't pitch since Sunday. That's true. Yeah, I guess I didn't even. Yeah, um, that's that's fair. I I I'd be okay with that. I think either or are fine, but just in, just in terms of long, I think that's more so for Evaldi than anyone, just because of how mm-hmm. his you know they've kind of need to manage his his arm since he's been up and down since returning off the IL uh, but there's a lot of combinations but I think the most likely is Dunning Montgomery Evaldi and then I don't know where you go from there you just figure it out but yeah. uh, that's kind of what the postseason is is once you get off script figure it out and that's what Bruce Bochy is pretty good at yeah. I, I think but uh, for Baltimore I think it's a there's an even I, I, I think it's a little le- more unclear at yeah. least uh, from the outside looking in about how they approach their pitching situation yeah and and I think right I think unclear is the the perfect word to to describe it you have a lot of options but I wouldn't say there's you have a lot of options but none of them are like hey this is our guy uh, that that's just me that's yeah. just me. I could be completely wrong I, compared to an Orioles fan that knows the team much better than I do. But, I mean, we were talking. We believe Cal Bradish is probably going to take the ball yeah. for game one. 2.83 ERA yeah. for Bradish this year. That's, yeah. That, that kind of checks out. Yeah, exactly. But but then after that, you can kind of play around with it. But, but again, I think just like we said earlier, I mean, the Orioles, right, It's it's been a talking point, whether it's just been in football or even in baseball, but having that buy, right, does that catch up with you, right? And and how is it going to be for the Orioles to play against a Texas team that again went into uh, uh, sorry went into Tampa Bay completely completely negated the 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 Rays offense has all of this momentum going for them into another road set to start. I mean they've got to be scared of the Rangers and but we we should be you know delighted to some great baseball. Hopefully. Um, but anyways, that's one half of the ALDS. Looking to the other half, the Minnesota Twins took care of business against the Toronto Blue Jays. They are going to travel down to Houston to take on Dusty Baker and the Houston Astros. This is going to be a really interesting series. I'm I'm hoping that the Twins can pull it out, but Houston Houston always shows up in the in the postseason. Yeah, I think this is a scenario where. The- a bye helps Houston. They've played in the postseason before. They know how to take care of business, and they know exactly how to game plan for a postseason run like this. They've done this before. They're going to have Verlander, Framber Valdez, and we'll see how they go from there because it's, it's dicey. Big, it is very dicey, and that's kind of the difference this yep. year is Houston doesn't have as much depth with their pitching. Yeah. Uh, interesting thing of note, uh, Houston – 39 and 42 at home this year. Interesting. They Yikes. were 51 and 30 on the road, but huh. they will be playing these first two games in Minute Maid Park where they did not play very well. So yeah. that's I mean that's not how you expect it. They were the uh, out of all of the contending teams in the ALS, they were the only team that I believe that they're they're the only team that made the playoffs that finished with a 
losing record at home, at home after yeah. a quick check. That is correct. They are the only team to make the playoffs that had a losing record at home. So I don't know if that, again, I think that Houston's experience outweighs the Twins' vibes right here. Yep. So I agree. And especially, you're going to go Verlander game one, and in my opinion, that's just an auto win, and then you piece it together from there. Yep, yep. And, and right, I mean, Framber game two, he, Framber hasn't been the most consistent pitcher. He, he's not the same pitcher that he was last year. But again, I mean, the, the, Houston has the offense. And yeah. even though, right, coming into this year, we weren't sure about the depth, right? That's something that you just alluded to. But Houston finds a way to win, and they've done that for the last, you know, four, five, six years. Um, but we've got some really good games on tap. What are your guys' thoughts? I know we made some, 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 you know, I guess some predictions on Monday with who we think might go through. But now, you know, looking at these two series, what are your, what are y'all's thoughts on Rangers, Orioles, and Twins, uh, Twins, Astros? In terms of like, you know, winners, who's gonna win? Yeah, I think Houston probably beats Minnesota. I think it's gonna be a fun series. I think Joe Ryan, just as Dane Dunning would go, maybe Joe Ryan goes for Game One for Minnesota. But I think Houston wins probably in four. I guess, and then I think Rangers Orioles goes to five. Yeah, and I, of course I'm going to take the Rangers. I, I can't. Yep. I like cannot take them. So I'm going to go with the Astros uh, in five. I think they're going to win Game Five in Minute Maid Park. Um, I don't know who pitched that. I guess Verlander probably. That's what gives yeah. him, gives him a leg yep. up in a Game Five scenario. And then for the uh, Rangers Orioles, uh, give me the Rangers in four, baby. I'm going to win in Arlington. Okay. I love it. Nice. All right. Fortunately, I'm going Astros in five. Yeah. I mean, you just have to. And then I'm going to go Orioles in five. Cool. I think I think Rangers will take one at, at Camden, but then I think Orioles will have to, to answer back. But some great ALDS series on hand. But for everyone listening on YouTube, watching on YouTube, listening on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, or following along on our Instagram and TikTok, Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of Riff Ram Review. Be sure to follow us on TikTok and Instagram at Riff Ram Review. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Riff Ram Review. And then always come back here on KTCU to listen to us live every Wednesday from 6 to 8 p.m. Thank you so much for listening and tuning in. For Zion Trammell, Seth Dowdle, my name is Ian Apetian, and we will see you guys next week. Mm-hmm.